Well, good morning, brothers and sisters. I am on, right? I am too. Hold on, hold on. Yeah, I am. I'm on. Okay. Let me get rid of this one. I'm on. Am I on? We having trouble? I can't hear myself. Anyway, maybe that's a good thing. Everybody doing okay today? I've got one person here that's doing really good. <laughs> I love it when we worship. I always hear Donna, woo! It's like, what are you, a Baptocostal or something? <laughs> Thank you. That's exactly how I see it. That's exactly how I see it. I thought for those, I was expecting some folks, they may wander in, uh, people with little kids and stuff that uh, we've been reaching out to and touching and when they make their way here, we need to be ready for them, to serve them. But I thought, if you're a new person, you're going like, so who was the guy that was leading worship and making announcements? His name is Pastor Tim, just so you know. And he's on staff. I was thinking about that, sitting there. Who are you, you know? I mean, I do know who he is. I knew before today. And uh, so our staff is here, Pastor Tim. Uh, one brother's coming on this next month. We've been looking forward to Dr. Dennis Ashley being joined to our staff, which you don't have to call him doctor, just like you don't have to call me doctor. Pastor John is great. I like that. And uh, so does he. He's fine with pa- He doesn't want to be called Pastor John. He wants to be called Pastor Dennis, just to be clear. And Pastor Derek, who is our spiritual brother on the team because he has a British accent, you can never lose with a British accent. Uh, they're away on a little vacation right now. Actually, to UK, I believe, they went back. And the luckies. And uh, they'll be back later. So that's our staff. What I wanted to do was pause for a minute. I was thinking about our several things. Let me, I'm, I'm, I think about a lot of things. Twice a year, I have a thought. I'm wearing this shirt today because I'm still wanting to run on the adrenaline of our trip to Africa, okay? So it's not by accident. In fact, I'm thinking of wearing this for Christmas because it's a very Christmassy shirt, don't you think? And uh, I want to keep that, that there was that, I, I, you remember the morning I put myself on the altar because I'm asking God to keep that faith perspective alive because we need that desperately, One of the things that happens in the church in America and has definitely happened here is that unbelief uh, settles in on us and we just, God doesn't, he doesn't seem real to us. Uh, When we don't, I'm not saying everybody has to worship the same way, but when I don't have a sense of God in the room or that I'm presenting myself before the Lord, you know, the Old Testament, the saints would go up to Jerusalem to present themselves before the Lord. There's something about that. Now, we, we get our theology, you know, we know that Jesus is with us wherever we are, but there's something about presenting ourselves before the Lord as well. There's something different that happens when we gather as an assembly. That's why God commands it. So I don't want to get off too much and, and preach two sermons, although that'd be fun, as long as you have till like 1.30, uh, but I know you don't. I wanted to ask our elders that are in the room, who have been doing a good job, by the way. I was going to brag on them a little bit today. Candace, how did you sneak in here? Hi. (laughs) I don't know. I didn't see you. Anyway, 
Uh, sorry, I just put her on the spot. And it's like, I'm never coming back here. He's crazy. <laughs> sorry about that. Lord Jesus. Okay, so, um, you know, it's okay to worship freely. It's okay to take a knee. When you take a knee in church, it doesn't mean a political statement from the sports venue. You're taking a knee to worship. You're taking a knee to honor God and to pray before him. I just loved looking over here and seeing Christopher Cooley in the front row, worshiping. How old is he? Five? He's awesome. He's right up here singing praises and just totally focused. And I'm like, we need a mosh pit up here. A worship mosh pit. Going down. You have my permission. Yes, not right now, though. I'm preaching right now. So. so I'm going to ask for just a moment. I just loved it. It was so fun watching. Um, I'm going to ask that the elders in the room, if they would stand up for a minute. We, we're, we have had to start over after some rough history for those of you who visit. Stand up. Um, do as I say. Anyway, uh, these guys have been out among the people, and I'm telling you, in, in my opening comments to this morning, I'm, I'm going to mention that the body is starting the way we ought to to minister to one another. That's what we need. And uh, I get these reports coming back. I, I run into one of our, our wayward saints, and I'm, I'm interacting with them. And you, yeah, your guys are all over there pestering me. You know, it's like, yes, that's what we should be doing, right? Because we love each other. So I'm asking, and one of the things I've been praying for, one of the thoughts that keeps coming back to my mind, and I know I'm making you stand for a while, but I want everybody to drill you with their eyes. you got to get used to it, guys. Uh, is the Old Testament language that you see so many times when the Israelites are up against an enemy, and you hear this kind of phrase, stand still and see the salvation of God. The Lord your God will fight for you. Don't worry about it. You're not the one that's going to drive out the Philistines. The Lord, your God, is going to fight for you. And I've been praying for months now, God, Jesus, fight for your people. You don't own your people completely. There's rebellion in the ranks. There's stuff that we need to get healed up. The, the conversation this morning about we're all carrying pain and anguish and kind, you know, damages, and he wants to fight for us and strengthen us through that. And then beyond all that, he wants to not only heal us up, but use us to bring others into that healing. He wants to expand his kingdom. Jesus, fight for us. And so I'm going to ask my elders this morning. Sorry I missed you on uh, Thursday. That would have been fun. We could have made a lot of trouble in the school, but uh, missed you. I'm going to ask you guys to pray for us this morning. Can I do that? And uh, Steve, why don't you start us, Gene, and then Corey, if you would just go ahead and pray. Let's pray over our assembly that God would fight for us and he would raise us up, build us up in our most holy faith, okay? They didn't know this was happening. So you can keep a score sheet and see how they do. Yes, God, and I want to agree with my brothers this morning. Fight for us. Build us up in our most holy faith. Lord, those who belong to you, strengthen them. Minister to their innermost needs, as has already been requested. We're, we're agreeing together. You said, if any of you agree, any two of you agree, 
meaning being in tune with the Spirit's request and in tune with each other. We believe it's your will for your people to be sanctified and built up. And so hear our requests, Lord, and fight for us. Do a work. You're not done in harmony. Lord, I have pondered this over and over again. I think about our assembly. I think about our history. I think about when I came and the brokenness here. And why should you take note of a place like this? But you have. And you've sent us good people, men and women who are serving. I thank you for our elders. I thank you for our deacons and our deaconesses who are out deaconing and deaconessing. I thank you for that. Uh, the, the F and F and, and moving forward and, and being visionary and thinking about what about the future, not just 10 minutes ahead of us, but five years ahead of us. Where are we going to be? What about your kingdom? What about your great name? Thank you, God, for what you've drawn together and the way you're stirring. Please do not stop. Please do not let up. Keep working us, Lord. In the name of Jesus, we'll be so grateful if you do get, as we've just prayed together, our elders, that we see you get the glory and the honor because it's your church. And that it's obvious you show up around here and people start to get the word. Boy, if you want to find God, I know a place where he's been showing up. Please, in the great name of Jesus, illumine our minds today. Help us take my... Um, limited communication from your word and drop something into the DNA of your saints and maybe in the DNA of those who have yet to become a saint that they would find you today. In the great name of Jesus, we pray together as the people of God. We exercise our priesthood together in his name. We all say amen. Amen. Thank you guys very much. I'm going to ask somebody to come forward who uh, was on our trip to Africa, and uh, I was listening to her tell a little bit about her musings, and it, some of it was so well written, I said, you need to read it exactly as you wrote it. So, uh, what's your name again? <laughs> Nikki Cloer, if you would come on up. Uh, and you all make her feel welcome because she's nervous. hear you. I'm pretty loud. You're pretty loud? Do you want to use this? Okay. okay, I'll get my notes out of you. Okay. Okay. I'm just making sure you stay on track. Okay, so if you know me, you know that this is not something that I do, and this is going to be really hard, so just bear with me. Um, you want to start with number one, the culture comparison, right? Yeah. So when I came back, um, actually when I was there, it, it was a I think the biggest impact that I had while I was there was the difference of the amount of possessions that the Kenyan kids had versus um, like our children here and what we have at our fingertips um, to the point that the Kenyan kids were playing jacks with rocks because that's all they had. Um, I remember calling the kids one night and I'm saying, hey, what do you want me to bring you back from Kenya? Because this is cool and there's a lot of cool things here and Riley only wanted a giraffe, and Liam said, can you go to Walmart and get me a PJ Masks toy? And I'm like, no, buddy, I definitely can't. But I just remember feeling, like, angry. Like, how dare you ask that? And then it was, okay, he's five, 
So all he knows is America and the things that are available to him at five years old. Um, so then I got back and it was like, you can never have another toy again. We need to go through our toy room and get rid of everything and go give it to all the needy children. And that's, yeah, like, if you have one more toy, we're giving five away, that kind of thing. Like, let's clear everything out. Um, and I remember being told, like, you can't punish your kids for the society that they live in. Yeah, exactly. you, you have to kind of let them grow in, in that society. But it's, um, what am I teaching my kids with possessions? What am, what am I teaching my kids now as a mother with the amount of possessions that they actually have? And that's, that's kind of like my guilt and my challenge that I'm, that I'm carrying right now. You had an experience about learning to slow down and not over. This is a good problem to have, by the way, for a pastor. Having people that want to do too much, you have to slow them down, right? Some people don't do. Anyway, I'll leave it there. You get the idea. And uh, there was a learning for you, right? Yeah, absolutely. So. Um, it was, right, slowing down. How do I hear God if I don't slow down and I don't listen? Um, it was... I take on more tasks than I can handle. Mm -hmm. um, I'm a mom. I'm a Christian. I'm a wife. I have the kids' school, the church, work. I work a lot. Um, and I thought I can only be a good wife, a good mom, a good Christian if I take on 15 tasks at one time because I'm trying to help the school, help the church, help work, help my husband, help whatever. Um, or at least I thought that that's what I needed to do. But it put a lot of stress and anxiety on not only me, but my household. And um, I know that when I sign up for 15 out of 15 tasks, if I can't handle them, then I look to my husband to take on the slack that I can't can like handle, I guess, if you will. And that's what a good spouse is supposed to do, right? Pick up my slack. No, <clears throat> <laughs> no that's not true. Uh, my great spouse sat me down and gently explained <laughs> how wrong that was and um, how unfair it is to all the parties and with how busy I am and how many tasks I try to take on. Um, and that was kind of eye-opening that he just said, you know, I can't do this. I have my own life and my own tasks, and I can't pick up your slack. So in Kenya, they, they don't run on, on time like America does. They have what's called Kenyan time. And that opened my eyes. Uh, what am I getting out of taking on all of these tasks? And it was nothing. Nothing other than um, taking away from my time with God, taking away from my time with my kids, my husband, all of the important things. Um, we have to take time to practice the presence of God every day, mm -hmm. all day, which is something I'm still failing at and learning, is that the time that I have 15 tasks out of the day, I'm, I'm truly taking away from the time that I should be learning to grow in my walk with God. Anybody else have that problem? <laughs> Anybody lying to me? <laughs> we all do, right? We're all in process. Yeah. Very well said. Thank you. Well, there was one more biggie that just really spoke loudly to me, and that was your mommy point of view. Yeah. If you would talk about that. You can actually... Are you going to read it? I am. Yay. I am. Um, we were in our last meeting, the Kenyan meeting, when we came back, like our debrief meeting, and Corey had mentioned, you know, it would be really cool to hear your point of view as a mom, because that was one of my biggest fears, my biggest stresses. And at first I was like, oh, 
no. <laughs> like, I don't want to do that. But, all right, this is what I wrote. It was 4 a.m. I finished getting ready and grabbing my last-minute things. I bent over it and kissed the soft little cheeks of my angelic children. As I sat there, I just watched them sleep, not knowing that this might be the last time I saw them. My brain is trained and wired to prepare for the worst and hope for the best. I felt a warm tear and a choke in my throat. I wiped my tear, grabbed my bags, and headed to the church in a very quiet car ride with David. I knew God wanted me there, and I knew I had to go, not only for me, but for my kids, for them to see that it is okay to go do God's work, even though it's scary and unknown. And thank God I did. It was pretty peaceful without them, and that's the only word that can come to mind. There was one night that was rough because when I called, Liam had lost it. But otherwise, when I called, they couldn't have cared. (laughs) Or so it seemed. (laughs) David had killed it being mom and dad, and my mom is truly a blessing to our family. I knew they were there and well taken care of, and David and my mom had made it a point to allow me not to stress about the kids and to really enjoy Africa and God. The kids didn't want to talk half the time when I called, and that was okay because they were happy. It made the trip much easier to focus on the Kenyans and my relationship with God and really grow. And Riley said something to you. She did. Um, It had been a little while after we had gotten back, and Riley's favorite thing to do is catch fireflies. So we, you know, the nights that we're not super busy, we go out and catch fireflies. And I don't like the backyard because I'm afraid of snakes, and you can only catch fireflies in the dark. So I walked up to the park. And as we were walking, um, one of the streetlights went out. She was like, Mom, I'm afraid of the dark. I was like, okay, it's okay, you know. So we sat. We got to the top of the hill, and I made her stop. I said, what do you hear? So she named, like, three things that she heard. We went through a couple of her senses. What do you see? What do you hear? What do you feel? And I just explained to her, like, God created all of this, and that is awesome. So we went through the fears and how you don't need to fear because God's always there. And uh, she kind of looked at me, and you could see, like, the look of, inspiration in her face and she's like mom you listened to god's word you went to kenya because that's what god told you to do and i was like you're right girlfriend that is exactly what happened and uh she said sometimes i try to listen to god but you know my brother really aggravates me and then i just, <laughs> and then I just have to yell at him and sometimes i get so mad i kind of hit him mom and i'm like i know so the innocence of the five-year-old but wanting to listen to God was the coolest thing. And knowing that, like, when I went to Kenya, it really impacted her. And that's what I wanted. So Awesome. Awesome. Anything else? No. No? <laughs> Great job. Thank you. Such a good job. Thank you. Oh, man. I just, I was uh, impressed with her verbal description. Wasn't that cool? This really was. Thank you for sharing and having the courage. Here she goes to Africa. She's been in the military. She's married to military. And it's like, you terrify her, you mean people. Ah! Dude, what was that? You look better in person. <laughs> He's single. Anyway, so... Just a joke. You asked for it. You just set yourself up. There you go. All right. Ready, saints? You ready to dig in? All right. I've been weighing some of that uh, faith experience from Africa. They're trusting God, their expansion of the kingdom, their intentionality about moving the church forward because, you know, it was a mission trip. 
But the goal of missions is the church, and the goal of the church is missions. You understand that? They're interrelated. All these people who today, and, and I understand how they get there, uh, we're done with the church, you know. We like Jesus okay, we're just done with the church. The problem is Jesus died for the church. I don't care whether it meets in a building or whether it's formal or whether it's a home group or however it is, but it's the church that Jesus bled and died for. So if you say you like him, you don't like him very much unless you start to like the things he likes. Love the things that he loves. So there's my sermon. Let's pray and we'll go home. The church has been seeing some motion here. I've been thrilled. New members, baptism. I got to tell you, I was visiting people this week, a couple of people. One, one was uh, Gerald. He, he just got higher on my happy list because he said to me, wow, you look really sharp. <laughs> I'm like, thank you, Gerald. It was really kind of fun. Visited Isabel, and I found out how many of you people have been hanging out with her. Brand new, we just joined, uh, people who just joined the church last week, I won't mention any names. Well, yeah, maybe I will. But anyway, Sonia and, and Diane, visiting and doing ministry with people. I thought that was awesome. I told you about our elders already. I mentioned that. Reports about... Um, Bands of sisters and bands of brothers coming together since Gary and Melissa were here inspiring us. Let's get real finally. Can we get real and stop running a club? Right? And so when I hear that, it's encouraging. It's, I have to say, way to go, Harmony. For those of you in the little flock, I make a distinction. I'm a little, well, I'm right. <laughs> and here's what I mean. Jesus, Jesus and, and, and Paul as well. There must be division. You know, Paul says at one point, there's got to be divisions among you in order that those who are approved can be manifest. There's always the carnal corral who don't want to follow the Spirit and those who are hungry for God. That's always true in every church, right? So I refer to those who are hungry as the little flock. And way to go, little flock, who are leaning in and trying to push forward and do the right thing. So, if you're wondering, and I've said it before, am I in the little flock in your opinion? You can come ask me. Okay, you're really upset with me now. So I wanted to think about having some clarity about what we do as a church and talk about body dynamics because two weeks ago we had a baptism. Last week we had an induction. A lot of what's been happening the last few months is about the body, about the body of Christ, the church, the life that is in the church. And so we want to be tuned into that and have some clarity. We need to look inward. Remember Pastor Tim's series on upward, inward, and outward. And we're still in that. I'm milking that for all it's worth because it's summer. I know people are running around getting their last couple of weeks of vacation, and I get that, right? And we're going to go back to Hebrews later. Oh, yeah, we are. And uh, But uh, right now, I want to continue to massage this subject matter, inward and outward. If I will look inward, it's possible that I can start to make changes that will make me useful outwardly. Starting with my own brothers and sisters in the body, and then from there, when you get good at it, it spills over to people who have not yet trusted in Jesus. You rub shoulders with. 
So let's see how the church is supposed to work. Because I think that we have really wrong thinking about the church in America. What do you think? Somebody agrees with me. I'm on a roll. You all need some more coffee, I think. Let's look at the passage in Scripture. If you like to, I, by the way, on Sundays, I like to have you open the Bible because I feel like in America we've gotten so far, with technology, we've gotten so far away from opening the book ourselves and looking at it. And so I like on Sunday mornings occasionally to do that. But I'm going to cheat this morning, make it a little easier for you. If you want to look because... You agree with me on that. It's page 1171, 1171. It's the book of Ephesians, but I am going to put our text on the screen today. Here's a classic text about body life, how the church works. And he gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers. Some interpreters say that's pastor hyphen teachers. I agree with that generally, but it doesn't matter. It works the same. Pastors are shepherds. Teachers teach. For the equipping of the saints, for the work of service, to the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. Don't change the slide yet. Some words you want to pay attention to. Down on the left side there, equipping. That's the first word. Equipping. For the work of service, right underneath that. Building up. Another word. Till we attain to the unity of the faith. Unity. Want to have some fun here this morning? That word that is used for agreement, unity, can be translated. Are you ready? How did you know that? (laughs) Harmony. See how biblical our church is? The unity, harmony in the faith to a knowledge of the Son of God, knowledge to a mature man. Just notice those. I'll reference some of those words as we go. Stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result, we go on. We are no longer to be toddlers. I'm going to use a word this morning. I picked it up from an old-time preacher who used to work hard at insulting people. I'm not trying to insult anybody. Toddlers, thumbsuckers. That's the word he used to use. In fact, his name was Charlie Tremendous Jones. Anybody old enough to remember him? Charlie Tremendous Jones. I'm old. Okay, nobody remembers him. He was a lot of fun. He really was. Tossed here and there by waves, carried about by every wind of doctrine, can't decide, as we prayed this morning, to get up and brush my teeth and put clothes on and get my butt to church. It's too hard. By the trickery of men, craftiness and deceitful scheming, or responding to your flesh rather than the Holy Spirit, but speaking the truth in love. Three words that really are only one Greek word, truthing. That's what the word is, truthing. But truthing with each other. Wow, there's a scary idea. Truthing with each other. Anybody ever see any of those movies where the guy can't, you know, lie or lie, you can't do anything but tell the truth? Holy cow, you pray to God that never happens to you, right? But truthing with each other in love, 
We're to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ. And all of God's people said. All right. We can drop that. Equippers. The first word, the equipping of the saint. Pastor and teaches for equipping the saints. That is, making them adequate, training them, if you will. Get this. A related word is the word for people who mend their nets between fishing expeditions. The mending of the saints. Isn't that a great expression? For the mending. We all need mending, right? We all limp. We've all got issues, right? We need mending. We need to be built up in our most holy faith. We need people to help us, to speak life to us, to challenge us, just what, like we were inspired and encouraged about. They equip, they mend the saints. We're going to talk about three things. If you're a note-taker and you have your bullet and there are three fill-ins, they are white. The first one is spiritual leadership. The second one is spiritual community. The third one is spiritual, good for you, maturity. Spiritual leadership, spiritual community, spiritual maturity. We want all three here. We want spiritual leaders. Okay, well, we better hire one. Okay, so we want spiritual leaders. We want true spiritual community, and we want spiritual maturity. Very quickly, without unpacking them yet, spiritual leadership I already commented on. Helping the saints become a spiritual community means that they are busy about, if you read that text, it says, for the equipping of the saints for the work of service. I found a great expression to translate that. Equipping you for the enterprise of deaconing. The word deacon means a waiter. Remember that? Remember, it was confusing to Peter and the disciples that Jesus got... I forgot to bring my statue back over to... I should have brought it. My statue of Jesus washing Peter's feet. It was confusing to the disciples that the master got down instead of some slave and washed their feet. I'm engaging my children, the ones who really follow me, in the enterprise of slavery, of deaconing to each other, serving each other. Does that make sense? Yes. I was on my way over from my office to here. It's a long walk. I was praying on the way. I thought, here's a great question. Ask yourself, just stop for a minute. Ask yourself, who in the body that's not my relative, who in the body am I deaconing? Am I serving anybody else? Or is it all about me? Just ask yourself. I'm not on your case. I'm saying it because you need to process that. Do I want to be like Jesus? I'm going to get to that. All right. So I'm, I'm, see, ADD always destroys my sermons. The enterprise of deaconing so that we all become adults in Jesus rather than toddlers. That's the overall. If I don't finish my sermon, you already got it. Okay? Number one, spiritual leadership. Look at what the scripture says in another place. Paul says this. People disregarded him, trashed him, were, were obnoxious to him. Uh, I, it's hard to believe. I mean, I've never had anything like that happen. 
let a man regard us in this manner, as servants of Christ. The word servant there is an under rower. As like on a battleship, someone underneath, not the boss, but he's underneath and he's telling the other ones, okay, you guys, put your backs into it. Remember that? You all saw the original Ben-Hur, right? Yeah, the new one's not so good, but the, the original was great. Anyway, Charlton Heston, how can it go? How can you go wrong? Anyway, you know, hee-ho. That's what it is, an under rower. In fact, the way you can translate that, remember Gehazi a few weeks back? He was the right-hand man, the aide to the prophet. That's the word. Let us be regarded as aides, assistants of Christ, and stewards of the mysteries of God. Mysteries are things that were hidden, but now they're revealed. The, the gospel reveals everything Jesus had in mind from the Old Testament. He said, what was that about? What was that temple worship all about? It was all about your salvation. Did you know that? It's all about you, except it's all about him. I better fix that one quick. Okay. And stewards of the mysteries of God. Oikano. Everybody know the word for household? Oikos? You know, we've used those words before. This is the house manager like Joseph was to Potiphar. Potiphar had Joseph in his house. He let him run everything. He didn't worry about a thing. All he did was play pool, smoke cigars, you know, go out hunting. It's right in there. Go look it up. No, I'm kidding. Boy, you guys got to get out more, okay? So Joseph was the household steward what is our job? Our job as spiritual leaders is to be an under rower, a servant who gives the orders that Jesus gives and to manage his household. That's my job. What it looks like is equipping the members, helping mend them. I told you when I first got here, it was pretty obvious to me that a pastor was simply a cog in the machinery. You had to have a cog in the machinery. Some people think a pastor is a chaplain. Supposed to hold your hand whenever you have a bunion or you have a hangnail. You know, I'm really upset. You need to come and pray with me. It's like, really? I'm not done messing. Some people, you just need somebody good to entertain the troops on Sunday so we can keep the doors open. None of those things are accurate. It's nice if they make the word of God enjoyable and palatable. I hope I'm not too boring for you. Thank you very much over here. It's like, well, <laughs> well, don't, you want me to truth you? I'll truth you. Yeah, she's going to truth me. Oh, who has more fun than people? My wife always says. Anyway, people come to pastors too many times. I want you to wait on me rather than you teach me how to wait on others. Which is what we're called to do. We wonder why churches are sick. I am your servant for Jesus' sake, not your personal slave for your sake. I'm your servant for Jesus' sake. And Jesus wants you mended and matured and to grow up. Here's some of my experiences. I'm going to have fun now. Because these didn't happen here, so you can all go, oh, thank God. <laughs> I take it back, this first one did happen here. <laughs> you have to marry us. 
Really? Well, you're a reverend, right? Yes. Well, then you need to marry us. No. Well, when I do weddings, I make sure, number one, you're compatible. If you're both believers, because marrying a believer to a non-believer, I can't do in a clear conscience because the Bible forbids it. Number two. Number three, you have to sit down with me for counseling sessions because I need to make sure you're not going to kill each other in three weeks, which has happened. So... I'm a bad guy because I refuse to bow down and serve you and give you what you want to your own destruction. I caught all kinds of flack because I wouldn't do it. Too bad. I had a guy come to me. This one's Tucson, so you're safe now, okay? <laughs> I need you to help me with this. I, why? Well, because I need you to help me with this and this and this. Um, are you... Do you have a reason why I should help you? Are you connected? Are you looking like, like you want to straighten your life out? Or you want to just keep using these drugs? Or what do you want to do? No, you've got to help me. Why? Because well, you're, aren't you the minister here? Yeah, I'm the minister here. Well, then you've got to help me. No, I'm sorry. I don't think I really do unless you want the right kind of help. Do you want the right? No, I don't want that. I want you to help me. And I'm like, no, I'm not going to do it. Well, I'm going to report you. And I don't know who he reported me to, but nothing ever happened. <laughs> or the fun one that we remember from Tucson. You need to have a service at night for our church in case I decide to show up. <laughs> My wife has a great line. Some people don't have the sense to be embarrassed. He was one. So I'm here to be your slave, whatever your whim is. How on earth would the kingdom ever get built if we're trying to please people like that? They're off track. They need to be mended. Francis Chan talks about this in the book we're recommending for our small groups. Woo-hoo, what fun we're going to have. I always like to provoke everything with really nasty books. It's good stuff. Don't give up on the dream. I read this one other time. Anybody remember this? Don't give up on the dream. The church doesn't have to remain a group of needy people complaining that they haven't been fed well enough. It really can become a group of servants who thrive in serving. Hey, do you remember, Mike? I, I understand that there was a bit of shock with my illustration of a shepherd doesn't take a sheep and shove his face down into the ground. Eat this food. Eat it. That's not what a shepherd does. A shepherd brings a meal to the sheep. A shepherd brings a meal. He brings him in, yes, he brings him into a lee, L-E-A. He brings him into a grassy field. Have at it, guys. He doesn't take them by the tail. You don't bend their tail into a submissive hold. Make sure you eat that. He liked it. Because normal healthy sheep are able to put the food in their own mouth and eat it and swallow it. The problem is, I put a meal out here every week. Sometimes it gets spat out. Sometimes it never gets put in the mouth. Some of us are swallowing and growing because of it. Praise God. Listen to Chan. We are to be parents, not babysitters. Part of my responsibility as a good dad is to make sure I raise my kids in such a way that they're capable of leaving my home to start their own. 
I have a few short years to prepare them for the world out there. My job is to train them to stand on their own rather than be dependent on me. Boy, parents have lost track of that today. Sorry, that was a social commentary. I'll stop. Let me stick to the subject. This should be the goal of every pastor as well. If we're not careful, we end up with people who have been sitting in churches for years and complaining they aren't being fed to their liking. This is like the same kind of dysfunction as a 30-year-old complaining about his mother's cooking. What's that? And still living at home on top of it. Maybe we got it a little upside down. What do you think? We'll come back to more leadership stuff later. My job is to help us grow up. And sometimes that means not getting what you want. And now I am meddling. Not getting what we want, per se. The elders were talking one day about possibly up, re-upping on membership. We've got lots of people on the rolls. Let me read something. Remember this guy, Rayner? And, and just, this is just common sense stuff. And uh, we give these out to everyone that joins the church. And like I said, our new people that have joined the church, they've jumped in already. It's so fun. They didn't even get to join yet, and they were serving. What are they thinking? How cool is that, right? Let me read something from Rainer. Oh, there's a chapter in here about uh, I will be a functioning church member. I want to serve. Who am I serving? Can I get looking inside enough to think to, to see to what degree am I looking outside and serving outwardly? Am I impacting anybody? Am I helping somebody along, a new Christian, an older Christian, uh, you know, a shut-in, whoever it happens to be? The wrongful view, and you, this is nothing new. You've heard this before. The wrongful view of membership sees tithes and offerings as membership dues that entitle members to a never-ending list of privileges and expectations instead of unconditional, cheerful gift to God. Membership means we are all necessary parts of the whole. We're all uh, to work together, even though we're different. Have you noticed some of us are really different? It means that everything we say and do is based on the biblical foundation of love. And then he comes to this. Church membership, biblical church membership is what he wants to talk about, is functioning. That's right. At least I got an amen here. Do you know how to remain a member of a country club, he says? Pay your dues. Do that and people will be available to serve you. Do you know how to remain a biblical member of a church? Give abundantly and serve without hesitation. Who does this bossy guy think he is? Notice the italicized word biblical. Sure, you can remain on the rolls of many churches and never show up or give. You can remain an active member in other churches by being a CEO Christian, Christmas and Easter only. (laughs) You can even be a revered member in a number of churches by giving a nice sum to the church each year, even though you never lift a finger in service or ministry. By the way, I'm so glad that people with means here who not only contribute, they also put their hands to the plow. I like that. 
But please understand, that type of membership is not biblical membership. That approach to membership is man-made, man-centered, man-maintained. It is totally contrary to what the Bible teaches. It has no place in our church. Well, unfortunately, it does, but it shouldn't. Biblical church membership gives without qualification. Biblical membership views the tithes and offerings as joyous giving. Where are you hilarious givers, right? That's what it says. No, I never even think about it. It's just it's God's. There are no strings attached. Biblical church membership serves and ministers in a natural way of doing things. Biblical church membership is functioning membership. And he makes this statement. He has these little pledges in his book. Here's the last one. This one on, uh, I am a church member. As a functioning member, I will give, I will serve, I will minister, I will evangelize, I will study. Here's the phrase. Get this. I will seek to be a blessing to others. How hard can it be? When I don't have that view, one of Rainer's publications pointed out seven ways an unhealthy view of the church, church membership hinders revitalization. He gives some examples of the negative side, and I won't park on that. But here's an interesting thing. It hurts unity. It hurts harmony. Did you hear that? It hurts harmony. That was a prophetic utterance. Just came out of me. I didn't even know. It was from the Holy Spirit. You guys don't have enough fun in your life. I'm telling you. It hurts unity. How? Listen to this. When you're focused on doing things that actually matter, you don't have time for things that don't matter. See, when we're busy worrying, I didn't get this. I didn't get that. I don't like that. You know what? Can I just say, I'm coming after you if you're still complaining about the music and the pews and that I'm not wearing a tie and all of that other garbage that is irrelevant in eternity. Irrelevant. I'm coming after you if I hear it. I'm leaving the church. Fine. I'm the weirdest pastor you'll ever meet. I don't want everybody here. Because they will bring their destructive garbage with them. I want people who want to either find Jesus or want to learn how to follow him. Enough! Sorry, I just took off into preaching. I, sh- I just shouldn't do that, I guess. All right, all right. Well, I can't too much because we're running out of time here. But Jesus gets down. Remember the verse? This is the verse we had last week. I'll just give it again. If I then, the Lord and teacher, washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I gave you an example that you should do as I did. How hard is it? Do as I did. Learn how to do it. Stop avoiding it. I've got two hands. I've got a mouth. I've got some, I can do something. It doesn't matter how far along you are in your walk with you. Some of us go, I don't know anything about, yeah, you know what? You know enough to tell me a couple of Bible, but you're already ahead of like 27 people. You can reach back and bring them along. I, I, let me digress for a minute, can I? Of course I can. Who's going to stop me? How did you get that? You are sneaky. Well, I like this guy. Ryan, domo arigato gozaimasu. Speaking of Japanese, you know what I loved about karate? I learned about spiritual discipleship growing in karate lessons. You know why? 
You start to go up, you get these nice belts. You know, Americans like all these little colored belts so they know they're making progress, makes us feel good. Look, well, I'm a yellow belt. <laughs> well, I got my orange belt, you know? It's like in the old days in Japan, you were white or black. There's just nothing in between. But anyway, we need that, and we do that. Here's the cool part. I got up to about purple, blue, and then I got my brown belt. And if there was a day there weren't enough teachers, here's a group. You know Naifanchi Shodan. <laughs> You know that. Go lead that group. Me? And you don't argue with sensei. Yes, sir. You just go do it. Go lead that group. Did I do it perfectly? Did I do it as well as a black? No, but I led the group. Guess what? I learned five times faster every week. Do you get what I'm saying? We're so busy. This, this whole idea I'm not getting fed is a mental disorder. We just think we're going to feed, 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 and that stuff isn't going to turn moldy inside of you. you got to pour it out on the next generation. There's always somebody further behind than you that you can pull along. Right? So there we are. Think about Jesus' model. Holy and serving. Jesus said, which of you ever convinced me of sin? He was innocent, right? There was something about him where I, if I model myself after Jesus, I want to be holy like he is. I want to start growing the way... No one's going to be perfect. I get that. But I want to be holy. But the other side of it is, what did he do? He modeled servanthood. Then I want to look like him. Jesus said in that same passage, if you do these things... Happy are you. Even the world knows that. Get out and do something for public service to get out of yourself and feeling sorry for yourself. Get out and do something. You'll be a happier person. Even the pagans tell you that. Pardon me. We don't call people that anymore. But you know what I mean. In a book called uh, the Way of Holiness, Ken Pryor wrote, this is back in 1975 or 6, this book was written. He quoted a man named A.M. Stibbs, and he said this, The end in view is... What? Boy, does that sound like heresy. In evangelical churches, that's got to be heresy. Obey? Jesus said, Repent and believe the gospel. Those who do not obey the Son shall not see light. It's right in your Bible. John, read the first four chapters. He who believes has eternal life. He who does not obey the Son shall not see life. We have wrongly taught ourselves credit card Christianity. I've prayed. I got my credit card in there. And if I kick the bucket, baby, when I get to the gates, I just pull out that credit card. No, see, on this date, I prayed this. Good luck with that. I know it's real quiet in here, and it should be. And it should be. Some calculate that as many as 50% of people sitting in evangelical churches aren't really born again. My brother Dean and I had breakfast the other day. He said, tell everybody to look to the left and to the right and start counting. <laughs> but it's not funny. We need to be sure. Listen, it's on us. Nobody has to force your head down into the grass and make you eat it. You need to seek him. He's the one that gives life. Not the church. There's no magic here. Jesus is the life giver. 
And he is the model. And the end in view is obedience. Look at this last phrase. That the elect should serve the divine pleasure. Wow. Do you know that you can know you're pleasing God? And have that pleasure. I I spoke about it last week, right? About Eric Little, the runner. I feel his pleasure. The end in view is obedience. That you're starting to obey and model yourself after your master who was holy and a servant. I want to start growing in that. And many of us are in the process. Keep it up. Let the Holy Spirit continue to give you joy in serving. The divine pleasure is the building of his church. Get moving if you haven't. Get cleaned up if you need to. Keep growing as you should. All of us are in the same boat. There's some things about spiritual community that I could share, but we don't have the time now because I'm already two minutes over. And some of you are wondering which church ends on time, so you can go there. (laughs) So I am going to close. But can I just challenge us a little? I I haven't challenged you yet this morning. I've been very calm and very, you know, sedate. But let me say this. this. This came to my mind a couple of months ago. It's really hard to build God's kingdom when I'm so preoccupied with my own kingdom. It's hard to build God's kingdom. How can I pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, if I'm preoccupied only, we have to be with our own kingdom a little, but can I put his ahead of mine? Can I process that at least? At least think about it. Is his kingdom really first in my life? Because that's where the satisfaction and the joy and the fruit bearing comes from. And it will be for you, too. Trust me. It's fun. I'm going to ask you to stand with me this morning. I'm going to close in prayer. People have not been afraid to come. What did I miss? We're done finally. Thank you, Lord. I do know how to stop talking. People have not been ashamed to come and pray. Don't be ashamed to come and pray. If you know your kingdom is ahead of God's kingdom and you really are his child, why don't you come settle that issue? Our leaders will be up here. We're willing to pray with you or we're willing to leave you alone if you just want to talk to Jesus. That's why we're here. God, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your spirit's work at Harmony. How grateful we are that the little flock is stirring and being built up in their most holy faith and their influencing one another, and some are stepping up, some have already, and some for years have been serving others, and now more and more are choosing to participate in that. Bless us till we can't stand it. Please, fight for us, Lord Jesus. Help your people today to obey the next thing your spirit tells them to obey. And we'll thank you for your help in this. In the great name of Jesus and all of God's people said, Amen and amen. God bless you. Have a great day. Feel free to come and pray with us. We'll look forward to talking to you.